back, friends. Uh, we are at part two of this wonderful conversation. Uh, Dr. Ron, Mariah, Dr. Jacob, thank you all for, for being with us and for having this conversation. I, I want to pick up where we left off, uh, thinking about specifically the black Christian experience and the place of youth and children. Um, when, I, when I think and what I've seen, having studied church history and um, African culture and African-American history, there's always been a, a really important emphasis on the development of youth. Um, when I think of the, the pageants and uh, the oratorical contests, when I think of Sunday school being a primary place where every week kids are being instructed in, uh, in, in the Bible in ways that would be appropriate for them, um, there's always been this emphasis on um, having young people uh, see themselves as not just the church of the future, but also the church of right now. And, and I'm wondering, just based on your own experiences, on, on your own uh, lives, um, the things you've read and studied, has that been true for you? What does that look like for you all? What have you heard about it in other spaces? And Mariah, I'm going to start with you, if it's okay. Like, what has, how has that looked for you or not? What have you heard and, and understood? Yeah, my experience has been very different. Yeah. I think the churches that I grew up in were much more on the side of, like, children are kind of seen and not heard, mm -hmm. right? Um, there wasn't an emphasis to grow children mm -hmm. or to, like, pour into them. Right. I think what I have learned and know of the black church now, there's much more of um, a mentorship that happens, um, much more of a seeing kids as leaders, as capable um, as in some ways, like on the shared level with adults, that like this is your space um, and your growth is important to us right. um, that I didn't necessarily experience growing up. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember, um, and I, I, I get to share a lot about my, my childhood experience in church. Um, growing up in South Carolina, I, I think about wherever there was something for adults, there was like a kid version of it. Like if it was a choir, there was a, a kid's choir. If there was ushering and what we call hospitality team here at Sanctuary, there were kid ushers who were like right next to the adults doing the same things. Um, it was like preparation for leadership. Um, and, and for me, I, I, I value that and I could probably draw a straight line between some of the things I'm doing now and the preparation I had in that little small Baptist church. Um, that I grew up in. Um, I'm wondering for you, Dr. Jacob, Dr. Ron, like, did you experience some of that um, or not? And, and how, how has it impacted you? They're both deferring well, to each other. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, so my, my story was a little bit different just because we grew up in a very small, almost um, exclusively white community. Um, we attended the local church. We were the black family there, right. Um, right. with the one exception, and that is that that's where my mom and my siblings and I would go. My dad always continued to go to his church in the city, which was a predominantly black church. So about once a month or so, we would all go to church with dad. Right. And so we got a little bit of both yeah. in some ways. Yeah. Uh, in the church in town near our house, we did things for vacation Bible school, for Christmas and Easter. Otherwise, everything else was done in the school or at the you know, Children's Association or whatever because there were institutions that were open to us mm -hmm. being part of the Lancaster, New York community. Yeah. 
um, in Buffalo, New York, that wasn't necessarily true for all the black kids there. And so the church played an instrumental role throughout. And I, every month, I think we all look forward to um, going to dad's church, right. being part of that Sunday school, and learning not only about the Bible, but really about how to live mm -hmm. in, a, in a world that wasn't necessarily created for you. For sure. Um, both directly as well as indirectly. Yeah. There was a lot that we learned, I think, through that experience. So the last thing is later on in life, uh, later on I, I got more involved with uh, Church of God in Christ, mm -hmm. um, which is a church my wife grew up in. Mm -hmm. And she can tell you stories. I mean, <laughs> you know, she says, there were, people say church is dull. She says, no, as a kid growing up in a black church, bad it was bad never bad dull. Um, the stories that she could tell. <laughs> but I think that there was a great investment yeah. in the future of young people, yeah. knowing that if the church didn't do it, right. no place else would. All they would invest in you would be to head to the next juvenile, you know, center, detention center, or the jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting for me, Pastor. Uh, it was similar in terms of many versions of the adult experience, <laughs> right. Right? right? So Children's Church then right. had elements within it that mm -hmm. were similar to what you would have seen in the in the adult space, but yeah. uh, so children's church in general, I just remember being given opportunities to serve as a leader, and I think it developed my capacities to right. serve right. others. Yeah. Um, in particular, I'm even I'm really thankful for just opportunities to have a microphone right. from children's choir mm -hmm. to plays and skits. Yep. Uh, those things scared me, yeah. and I did not want to be in front of people. I did not want to be a public speaker. But as I think back about the value of the black church and the type of development that's happening in those spaces mm -hmm. for our leaders yep. and even the ways in which people have oratory skills today, right. Right. Um, I think it is blossoming right. after it's planted in a community that says, hey, come along with me. Yeah. I'm going to teach you how to do this. And I think when you're experiencing, you don't notice. You don't recognize kind of the, the type of formation that's happening within you. Right. Um, and then you find yourself as an adult thinking, where did I get some of these capacities from? It's like, oh, because I had some teachers and yeah. some people who cared about me along the way. So I'll tell you yeah. really quickly, some yeah. jealousy in me. Uh, <laughs> my brother, for some reason, expressed some better uh, skills with some sticks uh, than I had. So I was like, man, why do they got him sitting inside the drum? You know what I mean? Look, <laughs> right. he, he gets sitting next to everybody learning these musical skills. And I'm right. like, man, I want to play something. Right. I didn't have it like that. So my brother, my brother can play a little bit and I just, <laughs> I just got a good ear. Right. right. But, um, right. yeah, he, he was brought along for the journey. And I, I think that's, that's a really valuable piece yeah. of the, the church development. So, so one of the things that I liked about, um, the way the black church was, and I think still is in many ways, is that it represented all levels, all echelons of the black community. Mm -hmm. And so it gives an opportunity for a child to look and say, I could be a doctor, a lawyer, uh, Indian chief, or whatever, you know, mm. because I've got all these people in my community, in my faith community right there. And I think even as communities became less segregated, mm -hmm. people still did go back home sure. to the church right. and still had that. I am not sure whether we still have that today. Right. And um, maybe some of the challenges that we face are because we don't have. Um, segregation, no, right. but that we don't have that foundation that's expressly built to bring our young people up in the same way as before. Yeah. Yeah, I, I certainly, I, the more I think about it, I think about the challenge and the opportunity that for a church-like sanctuary that we have to capture the, the best of the black church in that as a value, um, we, we see 
we love, we invest in children. Um, and we also see them as, or see our church and our, our life together as a place where they can explore and develop and, uh, and sort of nurture their own gifts. Um, one, of, one of the sweet moments for me from 2023 was a picture that Holly, our, our youth director, captured on a Sunday. I was sitting there on the front row and my daughter Taylor was on the photography team taking pictures with the media um, team that Sunday. And Holly was able to capture a picture of her of Taylor standing there taking a picture and I'm sitting there with my eyes closed praying or whatever. Um, and I, I just saw that picture the other day and it's still something that I go back to because I'm like, man, this is, this is an answer to prayer. Like, I don't want to like be out here sharing the gospel with all these other people and my own kids like hate the church. Like, and so she's, she's finding, I'm not saying it's there perfectly. She's finding her own place in the church and um, seeing where she can put her gifts to, to use. And I think that's one example that I'd love to see spread across our church that all of our young people would be able to see that church is something that they can cling on to, that they can make a contribution, that they benefit from it, and then they, that they can ultimately lead because I don't plan to be here forever, like that, that kind of thing. So um, I, I, you touched on something earlier, uh, Brother Jacob, around uh, sort of church in some spaces having to be all things. But as people um, sort of ascend the economic ladder a little bit, there's, there's less of a need to be at the church seven days a week because you have access to other places and other opportunities to do some of those things. I, I, I would love for us to maybe reflect on what that means in the black community as we see more and more black folks who are stepping into the middle class and upper class. What does faith, you, you think, mean for them, like what are the opportunities or, or the, the challenges even for them to hold on to their faith and have it be important to them and their kids as they now have access to more resource, more opportunity? We can just as easily be away on vacation for two weeks as we can here and that, that kind of stuff. Those are some of the questions, things I, I wrestle with and, and, and wonder about. Any thoughts from, from any of you? Just from a personal perspective, I can. People have asked sometimes, you know, as you get more education, mm -hmm. um, more opportunity, more exposure, how does that affect your faith? Right. And to me, my faith has grown stronger mm -hmm. the further I've gone because number one, I understand more and more mm -hmm. what we don't know and how much God does know. Right. Number two, I know that many of the hills that I've been able to climb with His help are hills that people would have rather I rolled down off of as opposed to rolled up onto. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that, you know, wow, God is a great God Amen. because of look what he's been able to do right. in, you know, the lives of my family or my friends or, or people around me. So I think it's actually a strengthener of yeah. faith yeah. versus the other. Um, I, I hope that people realize that it's not in themselves. It's mm -hmm. not just because... They're the only one. They're the special one. Right. They're the you know, the the enlightened one, mm -hmm. but that it's really because of what God has given us and strengthened right. us that we don't lose sight of the fact that church gathering together in yeah. fellowship, yeah. in praise, in worship, um, in repentance, right. and rebuilding right. is essential. Yeah, 
for us to be able to re remain and maintain who we are without losing losing sight. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I'm uh, trying to cycle through some bars in my mind. <laughs> um, like Jay -Z some, lyrics some kind of phrase. Kind of yeah, about like, uh, how do you stay connected to your faith right. as you find financial freedom or right. something, right? So right. As, as we start to work our ways up in, what did you say, uh, Jefferson's kind of moving on up. Right? <laughs> moving how, on up. How, how does this faith remain relevant in part right. when it was maintained through systems and seasons and centuries of struggle? Right, right, right. Um, right. And truthfully for me, that question emerges for my, my, my right. concern for my children. Right. Right, so... Um, I can remember experiences where, because of my race, my faith was a saving grace, right? Like, ah, I thank you, Jesus, right? right? That right. we made it through a day and experience, et cetera, right? Um, there's less of that, I can imagine, that will be happening for my boys. There will continue to be challenges and struggles throughout their lives, but I right. wonder for them um, what their faith is going to be sustained by, right. if, if not struggle that is as explicit as maybe Mine was, and I'm, I mean, I'm not even uh, <laughs> experiencing what maybe we went through civil rights of right. old. Like, right. we've had a season, and we are still in the midst of a transition, right, in terms of wrestling with, like, what has happened in the value of black lives mm -hmm. today, right, in a similar way to what was happening um, in the 60s and whatnot. But I don't, I don't know what that looks like for my, for my youth. That's mm -hmm. a, a question for me. Um, but I think the foundation that was set for me is hopefully what gets passed on like, uh, through through the struggle, even though those these financial well-being well -being, right. Is, right. is emergent in, yeah. in our community. I, yeah. But I don't know what's the sticking factor. Is it, is it social uh, that people want to be in community right. um, even as you, you gain some financial freedom? or I don't know. That's yeah. a, it's a good question. Yeah. I, I think, again, I keep trying to bring this back to what is our sanctuary experience? Because, I mean, we're all these questions, I think, in some way merge out of some of my own wonderings of like, what kind of church are we and what are we striving for? And those kind of questions. I think when I first came to sanctuary, the thing that I loved was on any given Sunday, and it's still still the case to some extent, you can have a, a, an executive from a Fortune 100 company sitting next to a grandmother who's raising her grandkids, sitting next to the brother who like maybe houseless, uh, but who has found a little bit of community here and who comes in on a Sunday morning. Like those folks are like, we're rubbing shoulders together. Um, I don't know if that's the reality in every, every place, um, but it certainly is something that I've seen and know to be true here at Sanctuary. Um, and even for, for the family who is that wealthy family in the community, I think one of the opportunities is to see, see your well-being, as you just said, your, your being well-off as an opportunity to be a blessing to people who aren't as well-off. And so I, I'm, I'm always encouraging our congregation to think about the ways you're blessed to be a blessing. Um, sure, your, your grandmother and great-grandmother may have prayed their way through struggle and that's not your reality and almost certainly won't be your kids reality um but how do you how do you help your kids know that as you said we got here but by the grace of god like <laughs> there were other people who worked hard too who this is not their reality and because it is not our reality how do we bless others i i feel like that is that is a a 
a faith opportunity for 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 us, regardless of where we are economically. Yeah. So I, I help, can't help but hear my my um, father-in-law um, reminding us over and over: train a child in the way he right. should go. Right. And you know, and I think that that's for for so many reasons the answer to a lot of our concerns. Mm -hmm. There may be a moment in a time in a child's life where you wonder, did she hear, did he hear? But more often than not, right. um, when the rubber does hit the road, right. they come back to the faith of their fathers and their mothers, of course. Right. Um, so I think that it is important yeah. that children are able to grow up in a church like Sanctuary. And I think it's great that people and young people from all different backgrounds, all different races and ethnicities and nationalities get to really understand each other. Mm -hmm. Because down the road, they will come back to where they were trained. Right. And we realize we're all the same. We're all the kids that went to church together, whether we're black, brown, red, yellow, white, whatever, mm -hmm. um, male or female, from suburb or city, mm -hmm. that they grew up together. They learned about their faith together. They learned about each other's cultures together. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what will hopefully replace what I do believe the segregated black church, black community provided for us, for our parents, our grandparents, and others. And, and I want to say also, Pastor Redren, that I think it's important in our case that we have an African-American pastor because, and Joyce and I have been in churches that have been multicultural, multiracial, that had um, white American leadership, or other, Amer other leadership, or not even American leadership. Right. But what is brought here by having African American leadership, I think, is very unique, very important, and I think all of us benefit yeah. from that from your leadership, your experiences, and what you bring to everyone. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that because you're sitting here, because right. you still have the Kappa jacket <laughs> right. on, so, you know, whatever. But, uh, like, <laughs> right, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I, I wore this just for you, Brother Jacob. No. Yeah, I appreciate that. But, right, I, I, I want to put you on the spot yeah. as we shift to Go this. <laughs> She's like, I want to run away. You're, you're, you're the youngest person on this, in this conversation right now. So I want to I want to ask you about this futuristic question, the, the church of the future. Like, mm -hmm. what as you think about the Black Christian experience and where it is headed? Um, what What are some of the characteristics of what you think the the Black church and Black led churches like ours and Black centered churches like ours must be? Like, in, any of the characteristics come to mind for you of like if we're going to be effective in the future, if we're going to continue to to nurture the faith in ourselves and in the next generation and in young adults like yourself, how are we going to have to be like what kind of things come to your mind when you think about the church of the future? <laughs> I think in order to get to like a church of the future that we hope for, yeah. we have to be able to answer questions from people my age and youth now. Right. Um, right. I think the hope is that like we present them with a church that um, that they feel like they belong to, that yeah. all people belong to, yeah. um, that some of those questions that we have now won't need to be addressed because it, it's just a space that they know that right. they belong to. Right. Um, so I think part of it is the work is now, like not being afraid of, of some of the big questions that mm -hmm. are gonna come up or that do come up right now. 
Um, I think another piece is that we, we have such a different society, <laughs> you know, that I think the church has the, I think the gospel that Jesus has the capability of encountering, but yeah. sometimes I think the church struggles too. Wow, wow. Um, so yeah, I think that our, our generation is much more um, communal. So I think seeking to some of like the concerns, I think, yeah. I think that when we're in a space with people of different, you know, socioeconomic statuses or um, at different places in their faith or races, I think that this generation, and partly maybe due to like social media, has a really big capacity for um, the idea that like your liberation is bound up in mine. Right. I think that we see right. that a lot more in this generation yep. um, because of our widespread access um, to viewing other people's struggle. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I, I like that idea of communal liberation, mm -hmm. um, which is absolutely biblical. Like, absolutely biblical. Yeah, Dr. Ron, Dr. Jacob, when you when you all think of the future of the church, um, I, I've been using that expression, "church on the moon." Like, um, where where are we headed, and and what do we need to be focusing on today to be able to get there? Um, what what comes to mind for you all? Real relevant is the mm -hmm. phrase that comes to mind for me. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by real is dealing with the issues of our time, digging right. deep in the scripture and finding out like what's really there. Right. Um, and as I think about the future, actually, I'm also inspired by the past. Like Amen. what was the church? Amen. Who were these people yep. who were speaking multiple languages, who were called to this room and were blessed with the spirit to go and speak? That's what comes to mind for me, Ezra. Right. Um, is the imagination of what, what the church looked like in its origins mm -hmm. and then reiterated a, a new version for our context that's relevant for today. Um, what exactly that looks like, I think I, I struggle with the real specific definition, <laughs> right. uh, but this is a dream, a little Diedrich Hatton, uh, church on the moon moment <laughs> right, for me. Right, um, right. You got the reference. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, <laughs> like, what, what does it look like for the community's needs to be met in this yeah. space? Yeah. Um, the only reason I pause is because it seems like empire building, right? Like we would have a school and we would have a community center and we would have uh, medical and health opportunities and job opportunity, right? Yeah. So some of those things start to emerge in my mind, mm -hmm. but space is really important. And I don't know what it looks like for us to be able to make those things happen. Um, even as you know, we are, we are in conversation, mm -hmm. and some might say contention, with right. what the Lord has in store for us with the corner right. of, of this block, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do, I, I can see some really beautiful things about meeting the community's needs mm -hmm. right here in a real and relevant way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I think we've I think we've got a lot of challenges ahead of us. Um, you know, I, I likewise I, I like to look at the future by in looking at where we've been in the past. And if I look at the if, if we look at the stories of the nation of Israel mm -hmm. and how it wandered through the wilderness, how as they intermarried with local communities and all of this, they they lost power and direction and a sense of who they are. And, and I do worry about that right. um, because I think that the more we get accepted and enticed and involved, um, the less we remember that it really was our faith and the faith right. of our, our fathers, right. the faith of our grandparents right. and all that, that have gotten to where we are. Right. 
So I, I worry that we will see a falling away. I, I worry also that we're going to see a persecution because those who are stalwarts who really stand on the name of Jesus, yeah. not the name of a political party yeah. or the name of a country, preach but it. on the name it. of Jesus, yeah. um, are not going to be popular. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I believe that we'll have a stronger church. Yeah. I think we'll have a smaller church. Right. I think we will have those who really want to conquer the universe for the Lord. Yeah. But there are going to be some hard times. Amen. And I think the kind of instruction that our children are getting, the bonding, the strengthening, learning who they are in Christ Jesus while here in North Minneapolis is going to be just a lesson that they're going to need to know when they are worshiping on the moon or in Mars or wherever we may be. <laughs> yeah. Challenging times, but we've got the faith to be able yeah. to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those are all super helpful. Um, when, I, when I think about the church of the future, I, I think about... Um, a church that's much less hierarchical than some models than we've seen in the past where there's one expert at the top and top down. I think about a, a more shared leadership model where there, there are um, multiple voices and perspectives that you're hearing from and learning from together. For some of the reasons that you just described, um, I, don't, I don't know as, as we grow as a, as a nation and as the world continues to, to to be more globalized because of technology. I don't know if we'll be seeing these five and 10,000 member churches um, in the same way. And I don't know that we'll always have the protections of government in the same way that we've. And so perhaps we look at what's happening in places like China where the church is actually underground. Um, and, and you don't do that with a top-down sort of hierarchy. I, I think about technology being um, a nice to have in some places, but I think it will be an, a must have. Like we'll have to master technology in the church of the future. Um, I think of, of for, for specifically in the black Christian experience, I think the future of the church will also be more intentional reconnection to Africa. Um, and, and I say that because of my own experience. I say that because of just the number of stories I'm, I'm hearing from black Christians and black Christian leaders of there's something missing um, that we need to reconnect to our brothers and sisters on the continent, that we're made stronger by it and we're able to more effectively be uh, followers of Jesus when, we, when we're able to heal from some of the things that's, that's been taken from us. And so all those things for me are some of the aspects of the church of the future. I think in general, what, I, what I'll end by saying is I, I'm mindful of the fact that we have been given, there's, there's a rich heritage of black Christianity that we've all been given, um, that we are all practicing and, and learning and walking with right now. And I think the challenge for us is to, to recognize that, to nurture it, and then pass it on to the next generation. And so um, I'm inspired by you all and the ways you're doing that in practical ways in your own lives and in your own families, in the life of our church. And, and I'm looking forward to um, how God will use that and bless that as well. Can, can I say something about Africa that I'm glad you brought, brought that up? Um, you know, I, we, we lived as a family in Africa. I've worked all over the continent of Africa. And I, I'm reminded of a song that I, I loved from um, the late Danny Bell Hall, mm -hmm. Osei Baba. And it, the story of this, in the song is that she or she is going as an American to Africa, mm -hmm. thinking that she's going to help to save the continent. 
She gets to the continent and she finds out that there are people singing and dancing and praising and seeing miracles and serving one another. And she realizes that, wait a second, maybe there's something that we need to learn from the faith that we find in Africa. And, and, I, and I do believe, you know, our faith is a faith of adoption. We're all adopted into Christianity. Um, wherever it came from, however it came, doesn't really matter at this point, at present. It's the fact that we know that God is real that he gave his son, um, that we might be saved, Amen. and he gives us power through the Spirit. Amen. And you see that all over Africa. Amen. Um, yep. And I believe that that's a power that's not only going to bless and benefit the continent, mm -hmm. but I do believe that Africa is going to be an important part of the next phase of our Christian family around the world. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Last thoughts for me. To yeah, really quickly, as we dream about the future and think about the past, one of the things that remains, I think, constant is about relationships. And so uh, speaking about the relationship and connection to Africa, there's a phrasing, um, saubona, which means I see you. Right. And uh, that's something I am feeling challenged by in this moment of recognizing <laughs> what does it look like as growth or tension may emerge for us with what the future may have in store for the church? What does it look like for us to see one another? Yeah. Uh, that your well-being is tied up in my well-being yeah. and that we move forward together, but that can't happen if I don't take the time to see you, to know yeah. you. Uh, and truthfully, with advances in technology, sometimes we can get lost in that challenge of seeing somebody who's right in front of us from what I can easily see is my phone, right. right? Or another device that is pulling my attention, my watch, whatever it may be. What if I saw you? Yeah. What if we saw each other? Amen. And what if we served each other in the midst of that reality? Because I, I know you well enough to know what you need and what God yeah. has in store for you and, and vice versa. So, yeah. Saubona, the response is Yebu Saubona. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's in response to say, I, I see you too. Awesome. Um, and together awesome. we are. At you teaching us, Doctor. Look at you, Mariah. Any final thoughts on your end? Not really. <laughs> awesome. I'm excited. I'm yeah. Excited. I'm excited to see what like the next generation, those under me, like what they teach us yeah. and how we move forward. I think the best is still yet to come. Amen. 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 Thank you all so much for joining, and I hope we can have more and more of these conversations. I appreciate y'all.